Welcome to Balance 365 Life Radio, a podcast that delivers honest conversations about food, fitness, weight, and wellness. I'm your host, Annie Breeze, along with Jennifer Campbell and Lauren Kosky. We are personal trainers, nutritionists, and founders of Balance 365. Together, we coach thousands of women each day and are on a mission to help them feel healthy, happy, and confident in their bodies on their own terms. Join us here every week as we discuss hot topics pertaining to our physical, mental, and emotional well-being with amazing guests. Enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of Balance 365 Life Radio. We have more than enough research to show that diets don't work. We know this, yet people still continue to diet over and over and over again. Why? Well, it's likely large in part because dieting is a big part of our culture. Diet talk, weight talk, negative body talk, it's everywhere. From office conversations to gabbing with your girlfriends over drinks to the marketing on our food, books, and commercials. Diet culture is often so subtle that it can be hard to even identify. When everyone around you is seemingly celebrating weight loss at all costs and bonding over eating quote-unquote good foods and saying no to quote-unquote bad ones, it can be difficult to take a stand against diet culture. On today's episode, Jen, Lauren, and I tackle the big topic of diet culture, what it is, what it looks like, how it's harmful, and how we can begin to dismantle this hurtful, oppressive system. We know that this is just the tip of the iceberg of a very important topic and discussion, and we invite you to continue this discussion on the inside of our private Facebook group, Healthy Habits, Happy Moms. See you on the inside. Lauren and Jen, we are back with a big, big topic today. Are you ready for this? Ready. Ready. You got your your game faces on, you guys. (laughs) We are discussing the term diet culture. What is diet culture? Which the reason why we want to address this is because diet culture is a term and a phrase that we use frequently in our community and in our content. And we really haven't stopped to kind of unpack what this is, right? Um, And we're just going to dive right into it because I think we could spend a lot of time talking about this and we want to make sure that we do it justice. And who knows, we might have to come revisit this. We'll see how far we can get on our outline, right? But uh, we know that diets don't work. And this is not a new new topic. If If you're new to our podcast, that might be a new concept to you. But if you have been around our community and our podcast for a while, you know that diets don't work and the research is there to support it. And in fact, the research shows that most people are able to lose weight in a year, but the vast majority gain it back um, with the majority of people gaining back more than they lost within five years. And to echo the research that's already out there that supports diet don't work, we've surveyed our community and an overwhelmingly amount of our community have tried dieting and they've failed, quote unquote, yet many women keep dieting, right? We see this all the time. Like people try diets, they don't have success, but they keep dieting. And why is that? We would offer that it's unfortunately part of our culture, Mm -hmm. right? It's deeply ingrained in our culture to diet. Yeah. Yes. And so what we want to discuss today is what is diet culture, what it looks like, what it feels like, what are the consequences of living in a culture obsessed with dieting? And um, spoiler alert, it's everywhere. 
And yeah, I really, a really good analogy I have is we also live, well, I do personally where I live. Um, I live in a car culture, a commuting culture. So public transport is not good where I live. You essentially have to have a car to participate in our society. And um, imagine not having a car, how difficult that would make things for you. And people would be surprised, like, you don't have a car? How do you get around? And so if you compare that to living in a diet culture, it's the same thing. It's actually very difficult to not diet in our culture. And it can make your life actually feel harder initially. Um, than um, participating in the culture. Because you right? feel like you're going against the grain. Like You are going yeah. against the grain. And our society isn't set up to support people who are not making, who are choosing to not do that. And um, because diet culture is so subtle, it can be really hard to identify what it is and what it isn't. And um, you might not be familiar with the term yet, diet culture, if you're new to our community, but I promise you, you have experienced it. And I just want to share just off the, I, I pulled these out of a hat off the top of my head when I was reviewing for this podcast, um, some of the ways in which you might have experienced diet culture that I think are pretty common. Um, phrases like, I'm going to be bad and order fries. Or how we compliment pregnant women for being, quote unquote, all belly or tell them how great they are uh, looking after giving yeah. birth. Um, or you don't even look pregnant. Yes. Et cetera. Yeah. yeah. Um, people who lose weight are consistently applauded for and praised without question. Um, or you might hear phrases like, I'm on a new diet. How's your diet going? Have you tried this diet? I lost weight with this diet. Um, yeah. Or I'm off my diet. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yes. Yeah. Yes. Many, I'm sure many of you listening are probably nodding your head in agreement that you've heard those types of conversations. You've seen those behaviors and they're so common in our daily lives. And these are the examples of what diet culture is, could be, or what it sounds like are endless. But, um, yeah, before and after photos are a really problematic thing in our society. And, um, some of our listeners might be in the fitness industry and they might use before and after photos. And I just want to say that it's not, I know the intent isn't there. I mean, you might be coming from a really good place trying to showcase your client's results. Um, and the intent might not be there, but you certainly are profiting off of the fear that's already there. And that's just something I would like our colleagues to sit with. Which is difficult because mm -hmm. that's something we as a company have struggled with, which we have a whole podcast on before and afters and what the consequences of using them can be. Uh, we have gone back and forth. Should we use them? Should we, should we not use them? Um, because they are effective. I mean, you see them yeah. not even in a professional setting. Uh, you know, a girlfriend posts that she lost 20 pounds or whatever and posts before and after on just her personal Facebook page and people break their necks looking at it, right? They're, right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that again, that's diet culture where we applaud these people for weight loss or thinking that they're a better person or uh, more disciplined or a higher moral virtue because they lost weight. And we don't even stop to question, are they actually healthier? Do they, yeah. do they feel better? How did they go about achieving that? Like, could this person just 
be sick. I mean, like there's so many options other than this was intentional and they automatically feel better. But uh, let's just define it, right? Like this is – the definitions are – vary from source to source, but in general, diet culture is a society that focuses and values weight, shape, and size over health and well-being. It worships thinness and equates it to health and moral virtue. It promotes weight loss as a means of attaining a higher status. It demonizes certain ways of eating while elevating others, and it oppresses people who don't match up with the supposed picture of health, with which disproportionately harms um, trans, bigger bodies, people of, uh, dis- disabilities, people of color, um, and it can be damaging to both mental and physical health. Right. Right. Because they just, they aren't represented in a diet culture. Yeah. This and is not something we're even conscious or aware of, right? This, the fact that it's so embedded in our culture is it's just what we've grown up with. It's, um, what we're taught to do. And, you know, we're not consciously aware of these thoughts or behavior sometimes it's just there my um social media feed used to be filled with before and after photos because those are the types of pages i followed um just diet pages weight loss pages fitness professionals that were constantly posting before and afters of themselves and their clients and so essentially anytime i was on social media which for a lot of women is quite a bit (laughs) and I was looking at before and after photos and that absolutely affects the way you think and see the world. Yeah. And how you feel about yourself. Yeah. And it's in the marketing of our foods too. I I had a FaceTime conversation with Jen about this topic uh, last week and I got off the phone after talking about diet culture. I opened up my fridge and here my yogurt says light and fit. Yeah. You know, yeah. to, to me, that's ingrained diet culture or, um, you know, we're calling foods guilt free or there's guilt free. You know, I think. Yeah, it is. It is honestly everywhere. And back to the car analogy, it's like it's like roads are everywhere. If you came across a spot in a city that had no roads to drive down, you would go, what on earth is going on here? You just take for granted that roads are going to be everywhere. And in our society, um, diet culture is everywhere everywhere. And again, um, it also, you know, we'll talk about this, how it oppresses certain populations in a little bit as well, but um, we're really just seeing one type of body, which we were talking about this before we even started recording. Um, It's thin white women, you know, in in the diet industry. Of a certain age. Yeah. Of a a certain age. Yeah. Yeah. And that can be really harmful. And if you don't stop to question these things – um, you'll probably just go with the flow, you know, you'll just kind of keep swimming yeah. with everyone else. I, um, I used to model, which I've shared on the podcast before, and I was told at 19 that I was getting old for modeling and that if I hadn't made it internationally by the time I was 21, that I did not have a future in modeling. So that is an indicator of, um, the types of models that we're seeing. They are very, very young. Yeah, babies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like most girls go big when they're like 14. And I was told at 14 by a model agent that I had the perfect body. Um, like I was perfect um, at that point to be a model, to have a career as a model in women's fashion magazines. I was at 14, 14 years old. Yeah. 
yeah, you're selling to adult women as a 14-year-old. Yes. Yeah, that's a yeah. crazy, crazy concept to wrap your head around. Um, but, you know, I, I in addition to talking about what it is and what it looks like and what it feels like, I really want to spend a fair amount of time, too, on why it matters because – uh, you know, before I was familiar with the concept of diet culture, I thought it was just kind of like on a really individual level, you know, like I thought like, oh, this is just what, how this person is choosing to spend their time. And I wasn't really aware of how it impacted our community or our society. And Jen, you know, you said on previous podcasts, like we talk about how we want society change or how we want our culture to change. Well, that starts with us. Right? Yeah, we like, are society. We're, we are part of it. And we're part of it. it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, let's talk about why it's harmful um, because it's it's harmful to individuals. It's harmful to families and it's harmful to communities. And um, the first one, which we kind of touched on, is it oppresses a large majority of the population um, on an individual level, you know, just on ourselves. It encourages people to believe that they are less than until they achieve some level of weight loss or fitness goals, right? It makes you um, engage in self-doubt, feel you doubt yourself, feel like you can't trust your own instincts. Um, it lures you into thinking that you failed because you couldn't stick to your diet plan. Um, and oftentimes people that are engaged in that kind of thinking are thinking things like, I can't do this because I look like this. I can't do this because my body is this. And I have personally experienced that. Um, I remember my husband wanted me to go rock climbing and I couldn't do like I was I was too worried about. Could I, am I going to fit into the harness? Is the harness mm-hmm. going to hold me? Is this something that my body is allowed to do? Like, and I just, and it turns out I could have. I just was too wrapped up in thinking. Uh, this You're too th- big to do Yeah, anything. the self-doubt yeah. that that was my limiting factor, right? And then on a community level, it contributes to a culture that um, makes it acceptable to treat people as less than because of their bodies, right? And in fact, there was when I was researching this, there was one study that I came across that um, it noted that 15% of hiring managers, only 15% of hiring managers would hire an overweight woman um, for a job. So essentially, it's allowing employers to see um, – overweight people as sloppy or lazy and just not hiring. Yeah. Them. And so you you don't see the person or their skills or their education. You see the body. Mm-hmm. And and we've talked about that kind or talked around about that, you know, about how what it looks like when you go to McDonald's and sit and have, you know, a cheeseburger and french fries versus what it looks like when a larger body goes to McDonald's. Yeah. Yes, thin has- women can post photos on social media of eating like a whole pizza and be proud of it and people will high five them. And I think there's even, I read a blog post a couple years ago, I can't remember the author now, but basically it showed comments under this photo of a like thin, gorgeous girl eating a huge pizza and there were males saying, oh, that's so sexy. And then next to a photo of a really large woman eating a whole pizza and the comments were, that is so disgusting. That's yeah. just heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking it's and awful. eye-opening. It's awful. And if, as far as going, hey, like trying to address the diet culture we live in and your everyday behaviors and the way you talk and think around it, like that's really what we're trying to address here, right? Like there are people that are seriously hurt 
because of some of your unconscious everyday behaviors that contribute to upholding a society that oppresses um, a lot of people in our culture. And, you know, I have no doubt that there are people with hearts of gold and good intentions that are engaging in diet culture. Like, Absolutely. It's, it's, I mean, there's probably still areas of my life if I really dug in. I mean, that's the, all part of our work, right? Is unraveling that. Yeah, it's it's oftentimes not intentional. It's just, you know, what you've learned, what people have, before you have done, what you've seen other people do, what you've heard other people say. You know, I remember like early as a trainer talking about uh, concepts that I would uh, that would make me cringe now. Like in terms of diet culture. And it's like when you know better, you can do better. And that's part of what we want this podcast to do today is just start creating some discussion and awareness about what diet culture is and how it impacts our lives. Yeah, I even recently have been thinking about something. Um, So I love Lululemon leggings. They are my favorite. They fit me so well. And um, they're really good quality. I love them. And recently, a bigger woman called me on shopping there. She said, "Um, you are supporting a company that um, will not carry my size and has openly on had the founder talk about that they don't cater to women my size. And I felt really uncomfortable. And that's something, so just, I'm just full disclosure being open about my own journey, but I'm really kind of sitting with that and going, like, am I going to be okay with that? That they don't carry over a certain size and, um, I'm going to keep shopping there or, or am I, can I, can I keep shopping there, but bring it up to management, write letters? Like, you know, what can I do? Like, um, because I don't feel good about that. And then the other one was Victoria's Secret, which I have vocally and openly called out that company for years and years now of their objectification of women. Um, and they recently went public on record to say that they don't make larger sizes because that's not their market and they don't want to sell to women that market. And I have not supported Victoria's Secret for years and years, but that is just something for us all to think about, right? Like, would you, would you keep supporting a company that said they don't want to sell to black women? Right. Like that's not their market. Um, or disabled people. Sorry, our store is not wheelchair accessible because we don't want, we don't want people, um, who are in wheelchairs in this store. Yeah. It's when you when you take it out of the terms of bodies and you put it in that context, it's a no brainer. Right. Right. Yeah. And I mean, and that is part of living in a diet culture that we all so we don't even think about that oppression of larger people. Right. So, you know, and as soon as you take it into that context of color or um, ability, then it's like, oh, wow, no, that's awful. But then you bring it back to bodies and you're like, is that awful? I don't, I don't know. I have to think about that because it's just so ingrained. Like you really have to think about it. So those are some thoughts I've been sitting with lately. Just, um, just being honest with our audience that it is a journey and you will continually Mm -hmm. realize that there are ways that you contribute to, um, supporting, uh, diet culture. Well, I mean, yeah. And just, uh, again, all the ways that it shows up in your life. I mean, my drink of choice used to be a skinny latte from Starbucks or right. like eating skinny pop popcorn. Two things that I really enjoy. I hate the name. Like, yeah. 
why like why do they have to be named that and you know so can i can we just call it non-fat um lattes like yes yeah yes i can i don't have to engage in in that or i can stop buying that product as you noted or i can call it something else or you know what are you know my my light and fit greek yogurt sorry yo play (laughs) it's just I don't like the name. I like your yogurt. I don't like the name. Um, in addition, though, to um, going back to how it's harmful, um, oppressing individuals and, and on a community level, it also hurts, as Jen noted, um, people of color, those with disabilities, people who live in poverty, um, because they're just less likely to be able to access the tools that some people believe um, can cure, quote unquote, or address some of these health-related issues or size-related issues such as healthcare, gym memberships, nutrient-dense food. And in fact, um, I went back and referenced Linda Bacon's book, Body Respect, which is a great book if you haven't haven't read it. Um, and she notes that social and societal differences account for the large largest part of a population's health, even more so than behaviors, biology, or genes. So really like the culture, um, the socioeconomic status that you are brought up in, you're raised in, that you're living in, plays a bigger, way bigger role than what you're choosing to eat or yeah, what I your often genes are. say like if you are going to be um, talking about the health of our society and losing your mind over obesity rates, you better be bringing socioeconomic conditions into that conversation and letting me know what you are doing to bridge that divide um, in socioeconomic um, situations across your culture. Because you cannot stand on your platform and talk about how everybody just needs to eat healthier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Once you start understanding the big picture, you start to understand actually how useless. Right. Like all you need to do is, is buy all organic produce, lean meats mm-hmm. that are grass fed, get this special bulletproof coffee drink, and you'll be good to go. Right? Right. It's elitist, yeah. right? It really only helps. Privileged people, people in privileged people, right? Um, helps or harms, that's a whole other question. Because if you already have those privileges, you know, and somebody's just making you anxious about not being privileged enough or perfect enough, then, you know, it's... Anyways, so, um, yeah, I mean, part of our work, um, if we really do care about the health and well-being of our society is about how to raise children up out of poverty so that we can see them with better outcomes in life, right? Mm-hmm. And just, again, going circling back to the definition of diet culture, you know, that it um, promotes thinness and equates it to health and moral virtue. Like, you know, I'm not any better or worse than someone that's going to the gym or that has a gym membership or that eats organic bananas that is, you know, than someone that eats conventional bananas. Like, um, but so often we do, we praise people that have those behaviors that have access to those services or memberships. It's like they're doing something right. Right. Yeah. They're they're just better. Yeah. But people love to hear that, Like, people love rags-to-riches stories, and so you – like, even I look back on myself, you know, 
I am a thin white woman. Like, I have so many privileges in our society be just because of those things. I was born Caucasian and thin. Um, but I even look back on, you know, the way I used to pat myself on the back, like, as if I was just this, like, awesome hard worker. And it's not that I didn't work hard for certain things, you know, for my education, for everything that I have today, for, um, you know, that I do work out and consist consistent with exercise. But, you know, there was a time in my life where it was an elitist thing almost. Like, I thought I was, you know, do just extra special for <laughs> whatever reason. But it turns out I actually was born with a head start in life than a lot of people didn't have. And... Um, for somebody to start a health and wellness company um, and grow it to what we've grown ours to in the last four years um, as a fat woman of color, now that is hard work. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, there's just certain privileges that the three of us have that we allowed us to, that people will take advice from us online because we're all thin. Yeah. It's it's a this is a heavy topic. <laughs> it's uncomfortable, it and is. it's uncomfortable for us to acknowledge our own privileges. Like it really is, but it's so important in order to, if you want to see more equality in our society, like women, we talk about it all the time, wanting equality with men, and that seems to be an easier conversation to flow. Um, but then you, like, let's talk about all equality, right? And then that means it's easy to sit back and be a victim of inequality. But, like, what if you are a perpetuator of inequality? Like, that is uncomfortable. Yeah. But that is so important. To We expect men to do it, right? We want men to do it. To be able to objectively look at our behaviors and say, like, I could be potentially contributing to the problem. It's like, well, yeah, like here that's are hard the to small face. ways. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Um, okay. So backing up how it's harmful, it oppresses a large majority of the population. I mean, when we say large, like that's pretty much everyone except for thin white, white people. I mean, which is like, that leaves a lot of people out. That's really exclusive. Yeah, so just if people who are struggling to understand this, if you go do a Google image search of and just type in, like, health and fitness, you will be met with images. 99% of the images that come up are, um, like, thin white people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like I need to do I'm that. I'm doing real it right quick. now. <laughs> okay, <laughs> just to make sure I'm right. Um, I just as you know, as a personal trainer, I know that I've searched personal training trainer images, and it's all white men. Yeah, all or if you men. type in healthy women, so I just typed in healthy women on a Google image search, and I'm scrolling to the scrolling, scrolling. I saw one black woman, one. The rest, oh, here's a woman laying in a bed of fruit with a tape measure wrapped around her waist. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's just thin white women. That's all it is. Yeah. And that's not, that's not true representational of, uh, truly representational of health. Absolutely not. You feel then, you, then the idea in a diet culture is that you have to be a thin white woman to be healthy. Yeah. Right. And that's so far from the truth that it's, ridiculous yeah 
Um, okay, moving on. Another reason it's harmful, one of the many reasons diet culture is harmful, is that our kids are catching on quickly to this culture, the the new normal of these behaviors and conversations. We've shared these statistics so many times. I'm going to share them again because I, like, it needs to be heard again and again and again. Uh, over 80% of 10-year-olds are afraid of being fat. 80% of 10-year-olds are afraid of being fat. 53% of 13-year-olds American girls are unhappy with their bodies. Um, the number grows to 78% by the time they reach 17. By middle school, 40 to 70% of girls are dissatisfied with two or more of their body parts. And I mean, that's just three of the many alarming statistics. Um and inside Balance 365, Jennifer, you share an observation from author Jan Jacobs Brownberg. Do you remember this when you wrote about this? How she had been studying girls' diaries? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's in it's in the first chapter of Balance 365. Yep. Yeah. And um you read her book and you noted that she was writing about how girls, she was studying girls' diaries and how these girls were writing about a desire to better themselves. And she notes that the difference was pre-war, they were talking about being, the self-development was focused on helping others and putting more effort into school or reading. And by the 1990s, bodies had become a preoccupation mm -hmm. that they were yeah, writing and appearance about. appearance and makeup and fashion. And yeah, so this, this is also such a hard conversation because what if you really like fashion, <laughs> you know? Right. But as Hillary McBride pointed out in our, the last podcast we did with her, um, you know, are our interests and beliefs and, you know, all of that, is that who we are or was that shaped by our culture? Um, and so... Right, it's messy. It's very messy, right? And, um, but yeah, so if, so basically that book looked at what girls valued and how they wanted to better themselves a hundred years ago versus today. And there are, there's just been a dramatic shift in values over the last hundred years where I think most women would say, gosh, like I, you know, I wish, I wish my daughter was, was more focused on school than boys and makeup and all of that. But that's the culture we live in. Like you, you, you can say one thing as a parent, hey, this is where you should invest your time and energy as a girl in, in to be successful in life, to be happy, to be fulfilled. But when you have a whole culture and society telling them differently, they'll stop listening to you. My mom, my mother was so amazing at that. I, my mom was so ahead of the game in the 90s, raising me in the 2000s. Um, but but, you know, I was surrounded and I was in a culture that clearly valued bodies. I remember when Britney Spears's first single dropped and she had the, um, I remember just crowding around the CD and the CD insert. Like my yes. first friend who went and got the CD, they pulled the insert out and we were Read all just Read the lyrics like, and look at the yeah, photos. We were, yes, we were just surrounded, like looking at these photos of Britney Spears and she was wearing the little skirt and it was just like everything, right? And... Yeah, and we even see it in Healthy Habits, Happy Moms, our own Facebook group where we want to so badly want to see this shift. 
Um, we see once in a while women might come in and post a before and after photo. Um, they're maybe new to our group or whatever. They don't understand the culture in there yet. And even when that happens, it will get so much attention. Well, I noticed the other day that a woman posted in the last year, she has um, um, added in a couple habits and her triglyceride levels are back down into a normal healthy range. And it did not barely get any engagement. And I look at that stuff and I think even in our group, it's so depressing because it's like that is what health is. Like those are the things yeah. we should be celebrating. We don't know what that picture means. We don't know if her blood pressure is through the roof. Um, what we, it's just, yeah, so it's just, it's so depressing to me. I'm like, society doesn't care if people are healthy. They care that they're thin. Right. Like stop framing it as health and wellness, right? It's thinness that, yes. that you are celebrating. Um, but back to the, the diaries of the girls thing too. We talk about all the time how women say in our in our um, Balance 365 group, like I have all this time and mental space that has opened up since I stopped um, focusing on my body and dieting. And like, I, I kind of see that in this, this study from this author, like, where would we be if we weren't so focused on ourselves and our bodies? Like, where would we be if we were all still trying to better ourselves in other ways. Right. You know? Would equality, st- would fighting for equ- equality with men still be a conversation? Like imagine if women took all the time and energy they put into their bodies and their appearance and put that on um, equality or, yeah, or um, any issue. Like- any issue, getting politically active or, you know, yeah. Um. Which is a great segue into the third way I wrote down why it's harmful is it keeps us from living our lives. And um, as, as we've talked about, our conversations are consumed with diet talk, weight talk, body shaming. Um, on, a, on a really small scale, we hesitate to eat kids uh, cake at birthday parties or we hesitate at going out to eat with a girlfriend because we are fearing putting on weight or fra- uh, deviating from our meal plan. Um, but I know the three of us have talked about that we could not have started this business if we were still eating, breathing, living diet culture. Like we don't, no. we wouldn't have the capacity for it. I did a talk right. for a women's studies class um, last year um, via video through, um, I was just asked to do it, um, remotely basically. So I filmed it in my home and it was for the university of Saskatchewan, a women's studies course. And I did my first year of university at the university of Saskatchewan. And at that time I wanted to be a doctor when I started university, I wanted to be a doctor. And, um, I, I had to basically drop out by my second semester. I had to move down to part-time studies because I was um, struggling with an eating disorder by then. Um, It just, it was my whole life. It became my whole life. I was starving. My BMI was 17. I was running on a treadmill for like one to two hours a day every morning, not eating, 
it just, it consumed me. And that might be a more extreme um, uh, result of living in a diet culture is actually developing an eating disorder. But um, there was a study done in the States, I think the University of Southern California, and they surveyed 10,000 women and 65% of women report having disordered eating behaviors. That's huge. I had the same experience and I think it's, I think maybe um, getting a diagnosable eating disorder is rare, but struggling with disordered eating and having it take up your life is not rare. No, it's very common. Yeah, I remember coming home, like in my senior year, it, it took up my entire life. I wouldn't go out because I had to come home and I had to do my workout and I had to eat my broccoli, like I couldn't go out and eat, I had to come home and... Yeah, just the same way that you're describing it took over my entire life. Mm-hmm. I am just – I'm scrolling Instagram. I swear it was Aaron Brown wrote um, – had a quote or shared a quote at one point about how all the possibilities and opportunities that have been missed because women were worrying if their thighs were too big. Yeah. yeah. And that hit home for me. I mean, everything from rock climbing to saying no to um, opportunities to speak or present or share or work with a client or, uh, you know, and I think about um, some just on in the health and wellness world, some of the women in our community that have um, even expressed like I have a really – an interest in helping other people, becoming a personal trainer, becoming a nutritionist, getting this certification. But will people want to take advice from me because I look like this, which is anything outside of the norm. And um, that's just, that's really sad. That's unfortunate, really unfortunate. So I want to do our part to break that, right? Yeah. And the messy part of this conversation is... (sighs) trying talking about weight loss in the context of it not being about diet culture so that is a really hard conversation to have because we are all about body autonomy and um women letting women decide what's right for them and some women for some women fat loss is part of their wellness vision um, and so, you know, but in within Balance 365 constructs, you would understand that it's behavior change that leads to sustainable fat loss, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We have many podcasts about this. Um, and so that it's just really, that's why chapter one of Balance 365 is diet deprogramming, because you really have to untangle what it is, um, what is driving these thoughts, right? That is something really tricky to untangle. So um, where we talk, you know, Annie has lost, um, Annie used to be a size 22 and now she's a size 12. Is that right, Annie? Ish. I can't. Yeah, depending on the brand. (laughs) Yeah. And so for Annie um, getting healthy, ditching uh, diet mindset, ditching disordered eating, um, cultivating healthy habits that she can stick to resulted in losing 10 dress sizes, which is amazing. And I will celebrate that with Annie. I do not think Annie is a better person than when she was a size 22. I think she was just as worthy. Annie may not have felt that, 
But, and that is the whole problem in our society, that we actually believe we are more worthy when we're smaller. However, on the flip side, me doing all those same things, ditching dieting, ditching disordered eating, ditching and actually cultivating healthy habits that work for me in my life have resulted in me being um, about 20 to 25 pounds heavier than my leanest um, weight. And so that is a really important thing for women to understand. When we talk about Balance 365 and we address weight, we are there to help women become a healthy weight. And that is going to look different for everybody. I am not interested in any way in, help, in, in supporting a woman in figuring out how to live life at a weight that is not healthy or sustainable for her. I am not interested in giving her a bunch of diet tricks that um, make sure she, you know, that allow her to be super lean certain times of the year. That's just not where our focus is. Um, and so Balance 365 really, you know, the conversation is more about, is not about what losing weight. It's like, what is a healthy weight for you? And the thing is in Balance 365, so many women have dieted for so many years. They don't even know what that is. Like they haven't been yeah. able to maintain their weight for three months, let alone figuring out what maintaining their weight for years and years or even looks like for them. And I know I didn't know. I was just constantly going, you know, because I was constant dieting, disordered eating, rebounding. I was basically slingshotting to below what a healthy weight is for me and then right back to above and below and above. And I was just slingshotting back and forth where once I found my you know, what's healthy for me was basically smack dab in the middle of that. And that is what I have been able, that I've maintained my weight for the last four years um, through, you know, even some very stressful seasons of life, like, because this is actually what's healthy for me. But that can be a tough pill to swallow for women because for some women, that weight is actually heavier than what they are now. And that's terrifying for yeah, some and women. And I think it's hard for us to communicate that in a diet culture, right? Like it's hard for us to communicate. We're going to help you get the size of body that's right for you, it's, right? Yeah. Like it's not always weight loss. Sometimes it's weight gain. Sometimes it's, you know, you're pretty much the same weight, but you have more freedom, you know, to eat the way you want. So because in a yeah. diet culture, weight loss is equal to a higher it's status. Always. Yes. So in a diet culture, weight loss is always the goal, right? Yep. Right. Um, yeah. So, but we do, you know, we've got women um, who have lost significant amounts of fat inside our program. Um, but for them, being in those larger bodies was a prison for them because that was not the right weight for them. It was well above what was um, healthy and sustainable for them. And a person gets to that space because of diet culture, because of the right. constant yo-yoing of diets. And every time they diet, they lose 10 pounds and they put on 35. They go on another diet, they lose 10 and they put on another 35. And at some point, those women, fat loss becomes, isn't about diet culture anymore, isn't about worthiness. It's about reclaiming the body that they were always meant to have had they never gone on a diet at all. Right, and going back to diet culture, our culture is to blame people with larger bodies, right? That it's their fault that they are in a larger body when 
it's diet culture that put them there. Exactly. Many, many times, right? Like it's because of the dieting that they're in a larger, a body that's larger for them. Um, and obviously that's not universally true, but in a lot of cases. Yes. Yeah. I, I feel like we could spend hours talking about how this is so harmful <laughs> on so many levels. Um, but I also want to leave some time and some space to talk about how we can kind of start to change it. And the first one, I feel like this is our answer to everything on changing everything is just creating awareness. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like we've talked about this in so many podcasts on various topics, but just opening your eyes and paying attention to uh, what is diet culture, where you see it, where you're experiencing, where you hear it, and just start like start listening, start paying attention. Um, because as Jen said earlier, once you start seeing it, you'll realize it's everywhere. Um, the second thing is break up with dieting. And I want to be clear that you don't have to be on a diet to participate in diet culture. Like that's key. Like it, this isn't just something that diet people who are dieting are participating in. Um, but also that giving up on diet culture doesn't mean that you're giving up on your health. Like there are other options. Um, and one of the ways you can start breaking up with dieting is to question the rules that you've been taught, the rules, quote unquote, right? The foods that you've labeled as good and as bad, um, your relationship with exercise, like what does that look like? Are we exercising to punish ourselves because we hate ourselves because we think we're thin, our life is going to be perfect and we're going to have the perfect body and, um, people who weigh less have less problems, um, And this can take years. Like this is, I mean, as Jen noted earlier when she was talking about some of how her her decisions she still is kind of wrangling with. Like we've been in this and we've been doing this sort of work for almost four years and we're still, or if not longer, um, but specifically with our company for almost four years. And we're still like kind of wading through the mud. Like it's cloudy Mm -hmm. and it's messy and it's muddy and it's like, is this health? Is this diet culture? Is this supporting where I want to go? Or is this like disguised as a wolf in sheep's clothing, so to speak? Um, and then also vote with your dollars and your industry and, and your energy. Um, just a simple refusal to feed the diet industry, quote unquote, like buying products that support it, whether it's food systems, magazines, et cetera, you know, your yogurts, your places, your shopping, um, where, and where this you're stuff buying your clothes. I'm- it can feel hopeless, but look, like we are seeing a shift. Like we are seeing a shift and um, people are getting really loud about it and companies are paying attention because um, we are yeah. seeing, we have never had so much, we don't have a lot of diversity, but we have never seen so much diversity in the media as we do today. And that is from the work of all of us individually, just throwing those pebbles into a pond, which eventually make a wave. Um, one of the places I really like to shop is Aerie. Even though, I don't know if there's an age limit on Aerie, but <laughs> <laughs> I really like Aerie too. I really like it. And every time I go in there, there are, um, you know, they've openly declared that they have uh, stopped photoshopping their models. Um, there's often disabilities, uh, women of disabilities in their um, marketing. There's a um, you know, not maybe as large of a variety of body types and skin colors as I would like to see, but it's more so than it was, 
you know, three, four, five years ago. And um, just to circle back to Lululemon, obviously, every anyone that follows me knows that I love my Lululemon and I'm an ambassador for them. And I would say the same thing for them too. Um, following them on social media. They are carrying additional size ranges. Like they're, I think they're moving that. What I see from them is they're, they're moving, moving that yeah. direction. And and the thing is, um, so it's understanding to. I remember, um, Annie, we had this talk, right? So the political party that I have traditionally voted for in Canada frustrates me to no end and so much so that actually our last federal election I did not vote for them and 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 that sometimes is a stand that you have to take as a person but there's another choice is to get involved in that industry or those companies or that political party and try to make change from within and so as far as Lululemon, I don't know if I'm going to shop, stop shopping there, but I, I, I am thankful for the awareness that my friend brought to me to say, you know, you're supporting a store that doesn't even want women my size in there. And that just stopped me in my tracks. And what I am definitely going to be doing is going in and saying, this is how you make people feel, people I love. And what do you have to say about that? And that will be escalated. I recently um, took a stand at my local pool. So this is just another small example. But um, I shared this on social media. I haven't shared it on our podcast yet. But there's a swim club at my local swimming pool. And I witnessed this male coach, probably in his late teens, early 20s, talking to a group of probably 11, 12, 13-year-old kids Um making fun of people who are over 200 pounds and just the way he was it was awful and I was sitting in the hot tub while he was doing this with the team and I'm sitting with my kids and um after they left I really had a very I addressed it with my children like that was not okay you know etc but then I'm not going to stop going to the pool like that is a place that we enjoy and frequent what I did do was I went to management and told them that this had happened and they were so thankful. And now they will work because the swim club is an external club that comes in. So now they will work with the club to make sure the club understands that they this is a body inclusive environment and that is not okay. So there are ways of, you know, there's certain brands you might love, you know, etc. But until they're like Victoria, I mean, Victoria's Secret stepped up and said, no, we are not changing. They basically said, we do not want big women in our stores. I will not shop there anymore. That is my choice, but I haven't shopped there for years. If you've followed me on social media long enough, you'll know why. <laughs> you've you've had but, some run-ins with Victoria's. Yes. Um, they, know, they know me. But um, so, so that's just a choice you can make. You don't have to walk away. It doesn't have to be this breakup. Which, yeah. It can be like, hey, I support you and I love you guys. Um, I love your brand. But here's what I need from you to keep supporting you. Which is um, actually a conversation um, that I have had many times with my local Lululemon store. And they're all about it. They are they are game to do whatever they can um, to help support that as well. I mean, they, they acknowledge that like, yeah, we would love to be able to dress all women and like, how, ca how can we make our voices heard and what actions can we take and how can we be more inclusive and more welcoming to men and women of all varieties, even while in this very moment, we only 
serve pant sizes up to a 12 or a 14? What else can we do? How can, you know, how can we start to create change? And, um, you know, these are the tough and sometimes uncomfortable conversations we need to have. Well, and I think too, it's sometimes even more impactful than boycotting, right? To have Annie in there saying like, look, this is how what you're doing impacts me, impacts these people, right? Right. Yeah. And and in addition to refusing to feed the diet industry, um, kind of along the same lines is to build your life online and in real life with people, books, music um, that support how you want to feel. And hopefully that's not a part of the diet culture. And my friend Megan talks about nourishing her body. And when she first told me uh, that nourishment was one of her core values, I kind of rolled my eyes because I thought she was going to give me this like elitist version of how she eats paleo. Like green and, smoothies. Yes. <laughs> yes. And what she was talking about, how she defines nourishment is what she puts in her ears, what she puts in her body, how what how she moves her moves her body, what she reads, what she consumes on social media, like that. Those are all the ways in which she nourishes her body. And I love that definition. And, you know, j- like just like Jen said earlier, you know, her her feed used to be filled with before and afters. And I'm guessing you've unfollowed. No, I don't see any of that right. anymore. It's jarring to me when I see before and after photos now. I'm like, oh, where'd that come from? Yeah. And it like, it's okay. Sometimes, um, you know, unfortunately, I, like the saying, uh, fences make good neighbors. You know, some of your friends might be really heavily engaged in diet culture still, and you might have to unfollow or set some boundaries um, yeah, I say, I say it's, it's not personal. It's right. about me, not you, right? Like you go ahead and post your before and after photos. It's, it's doesn't serve me and takes, it can, if I saw the odd one now, I'd be fine. But I, I recognize it's a slippery slope, right? If you have, if you get on Facebook for 15 minutes and you have 16 before and after photos come through your feed, like eventually, eventually that becomes our reality. Like it just does. Um, so yeah, curating your environment is so important. Yeah. What else do you want to add before we pop off? I mean, I know this is such a heavy topic and there's so many aspects and components to diet culture. Um, but I just really wanted to kind of throw something out there sooner rather than later for a community who might be new and might be struggling with the concept of diet culture. And, um, cause even sometimes it's so subtle. Sometimes I miss it. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. I don't even realize that what I just participated in was diet culture or what I just bought was supporting diet culture. It's just it's – I, I would say it's okay to, like, um, get to the awareness stage and start noticing and making small changes in your life. One thing that I – one thing that I feel very – passionate about is not overwhelming women and feeling like they have to be the only crusader for this cause. Like we really have only so much time and energy and number one needs to be taking care of you because you will never be able to take care of others until you can take care of you. And us three going from the awakening to the taking care of us to making sure our cups are filled to starting this company to becoming crusaders that was a years in the making process, right? Like right. I didn't I didn't realize one day diets don't work and I have been part of this machine that exploits women's vulnerabilities for my whole life to the next day starting a podcast and talking 
about all these issues. Like, I mean, we're talking years. So don't feel like you have to do all the things in one day, but um, you got to make sure you're taken care of first. Yep. The awakening. That sounds... The awakening. Yeah, I, <laughs> I liked that too. <laughs> I was like, whoo, yes. <laughs> Sign me up for that. Stay woke, friends. Yes. Stay woke to diet culture. That... <laughs> That should be our new hashtag. Hashtag. Hashtag yes. stay woke to diet culture. Um, Tag us if you use it. All right. This this was <laughs> this was and can be a really heavy topic, but um and it but and it, it is serious. Like this is detrimental to our individual and cultural health. Um, and especially our children, um, who are just unknowingly, you know, being exposed to it. Uh, we had a po- a really great podcast on boundaries where we talked – where Jen made the analogy that uh, compared it to secondhand smoke. And diet culture is the same way. You know, like that's yeah. – you know, You're just, just blowing smoke in your kids' faces all day long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, we don't doubt the intentions or love that a parent would have for their children. So creating awareness to how harmful this can be is, you know, the first step to really – making some steps in the right direction. But um, if you want to continue the discussion, if you want to discuss what is uh, diet culture, what it isn't, is what you're experiencing or what you're participating in part of the problem or part of the solution, please join us uh, inside our private Facebook group, Healthy Habits, Happy Moms. Um, 40,000 women that would be happy to continue this discussion inside there. Um, And the three of us are in there too, participating as well. So Um, If you have more questions or if you're still confused um, or if there is something that you want to talk about that we didn't talk about in this hour, let us know. We're here. Like this is just – I have a feeling this is just going to be an ongoing topic. Yeah, this was tip of the iceberg, I think. Yes, tip of the iceberg. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you, ladies. It was a good chat. Alrighty. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. This episode is brought to you by our online coaching course, Balance 365. If you're ready to say goodbye to quick fixes and false promises, and yes to building healthy habits and a life you're 100% in love with, then check out our program at balance365.co to learn more.